Blog Talk Radio. Gonna tell you a little bedtime tale, legend it will become. Burgers flying out the door, sail on. Two for one, no concern for the future. Living for today. Fast food bite on your way, lay it all to waste. The masses are afflicted now. Moo, mad cow. Mad cow. Mad cow, mad cow, line dance Hey, Sangai Nation. Welcome to the show on another Friday afternoon. Sangai with you as normal. Some show notes before we get into things today. If you are looking for some professional wrestling in the next couple of days, Tonight, WCWO at the Outlaw Arena in Indianapolis, Indiana. CCW in Kissimmee, Florida. Wildfire Championship Wrestling in High Hat, Kentucky. 907 Pro in Anchorage, Alaska. XCW in Jeffersonville, Indiana. And Defy Wrestling in Seattle, Washington. Tomorrow night. Northwest Pro, where you can find myself in Vaughn, Washington, IPW in Muncie, Indiana, for a benefit show featuring the return of Turnbuckle Turmoil Hall of Fame member Troy Miller, SXPW in Cheyenne, Wyoming, 907 Pro back in Anchorage, Alaska tomorrow, ICW in Marion, Indiana, OXW in Amarillo, Texas, and RCW in Albion, Illinois. Without any further ado, I want to welcome our guest to the program. She is the daughter of Hall of Fame professional wrestler Sergeant Slaughter. Kelly Slaughter, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Hey, fine guy. Thank you so much for having me on. Most definitely it is our pleasure, and normally I ask the first-time guest on our show how they got into the business, but I'm going to twist it a bit with you. When did you first become aware that your father was a famous professional wrestler? Okay, so my parents did not tell me or my sister that my dad was a professional wrestler until I was maybe in uh, going into first grade. Um, well, maybe earlier than that, probably around kindergarten. Um, and we have this joke in our family where we had nobody ever saw my dad. It was like, does he even exist because he was on the road all the time? And so one day he came home and he was in bed sleeping and I brought all of my friends in <laughs> to his bedroom, and I, he said all of a sudden he hears, see, I told you he exists, there's my dad, right there. <laughs> and he was like, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> I am coming for my mom. But, um, yeah, that was, uh, I first realized that he was a professional wrestler when my parents told me that he was a professional wrestler. I had no idea. Being that young, uh, did you have a concept of what it actually was that your dad did, or did it take you a while to 
fully grasp what he was doing as a profession. So he had some tapes of himself wrestling, and um, he would watch those. And sometimes we would catch him watching them, and he would, we would go, Daddy, what are you doing? And he would say, oh, Daddy's just dancing. And then that's kind of like our first introduction into seeing him, like, in the ring, um, him studying him, his matches. And um, then um, we eventually, I think, went to some matches, actually went to some matches, and it was, to be honest with you, quite traumatic <laughs> to my sister and I. Um, you know, we weren't smart to the business. We were young. We had no idea that it wasn't, you know, that it was choreographed and um, scripted and all of that. We had no idea. And um, so I, we saw my dad wrestling Iron Sheik one time, and um, Iron Sheik had a weapon, and um, was going to use it against my dad and my sister, and I just totally freaked out. We were so young, we didn't, we thought we were going to see our dad get murdered <laughs> in front of us, you know. Um, so it wasn't fun for us to see that with our dad, who we loved so much and idolized so much, and um, so we really didn't see him a lot wrestling. Uh, your dad wasn't necessarily the most well-known for it in wrestling, but he was no stranger to bleeding during the course of his matches. Uh, there were a lot of matches that he did where he would be covered in blood, or his opponent would be covered in blood. As you got older, did you ever lose that feeling of being traumatized, or did you learn to accept that was part of what he did or a little bit of both? Well, once he smartened us up to the business and, you know, he was like, daddy's not getting hurt, you know, and he just kept reinforcing that with us that he really wasn't getting hurt. Um, it became easier for us, but it was still always hard for us to watch because even though, you know, you know, they're taking bumps, right? But that still hurts. <laughs> You know what I mean? So to watch your dad, even though he's not, you know, really being murdered, quote-unquote, like we thought, it, it's so hard to see your dad, like, being beat up, um, <clears throat> whether it's choreographed or not. And, um, yeah, so <laughs> does that answer it for you? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, see, he also would hide his, if there were pictures of him bloodied and things like that, he really didn't let us see it. And wrestling really wasn't allowed in our house. So when my dad would come home, he'd be on the road so much. And when he, when he did come home, it was a celebration. And, you know, it wasn't a part of our lives. It was it was a part of our lives and the fact that that's what my dad did and he was gone all the time and that's what kept him away from us. But my mom wasn't a fan of wrestling. You know, we didn't watch wrestling. We were, you know, into Barbies and playing dolls and running around outside. We weren't, you know, watching wrestling at, and we didn't play with GI Joes, you know? So to us, it was just like, that's what dad did. And it wasn't, I don't know, it's hard to explain. Like, it really wasn't in the house 
Sarge was left. He Sarge was never allowed in the house, but Bob was allowed in the house, and Dad was allowed in the house, but Sarge wasn't. If that makes sense. It does for sure. You mentioned GI Joe, and of course, in addition to being a professional wrestler, your dad was also the first GI Joe based on a real life person. And he mm-hmm. not only had the action figures, but he voiced himself in the animated versions and the theatrical movie that G.I. Joe did. Were you aware of how big that was for your dad at the time, or was it something that you weren't really interested in G.I. Joe, so you didn't really grasp how big that was at the time? Um, yes. <laughs> both it was like we knew how what a big deal it was for my dad to have an action figure and to be in cartoons um because he was so excited about it and my mom was excited and so you know we knew that it was an exciting thing but it was our dad so it wasn't like we were just like whatever like that's what dad does for work you know what i mean it's like um it was definitely exciting and going to Hasbro, actually going, getting to go to Hasbro, that was really neat for my sister and I as kids to do that. And But I think a lot of it, my sister and I just, you know, honestly found boring because it was a lot of sitting around while the adults talked. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, we knew it was a big deal, and we were, like, happy and proud, and I was very proud of my dad. And so proud, in fact, that I actually brought a G.I. Joe to show and tell in the first grade. And I do not recall if the figure had even been released yet, but it was the first one. It was the mail-away G.I. Joe, and I had it. And I don't know if it had even been released. Um, I brought it to show and tell, and I showed everybody, and I said that that was my dad. And I was so proud. And it was just crickets. They had no idea. They didn't know who he was. They didn't care. One kid was like, you said your dad's made of plastic? <laughs> and I was like, no. I mean, this is like my dad. This is Sergeant Slaughter is my dad. And they did not care. <laughs> so, you know, your bubble gets popped pretty easily, you know, by your peers. And I feel like um, – because we were so proud of my dad, I feel like there was maybe a little bit of jealousy sometimes, and um, it was used against me a lot. I was made fun of for it. Um, during the rapid sympathizer days, that was a hard time, um, especially in school, and um, <clears throat> we ended up hiding it, hiding who he was. We didn't want people to know. Because we didn't want people to, at least me, I didn't want people to be mean to me or say things to me or think that I'm supposed to act a certain way because of who my dad is. So I feel like I just went off on a huge tangent. <laughs> no, that was very informative, actually. Oh, thank you. I, you bring up the Iraqi sympathizer days. Your dad told a story 
uh, on WWE television a few times that when he was the world champion going into WrestleMania that year, there were death threats made and bomb threats made, and they had to have security go not only to the offices but also to your home in order to protect the family in case something were to happen. Uh, As a child in this era, were you aware of certain dangers that were happening, or did they keep that from you until you were old enough to maybe understand it a little better? So when my dad decided, when he and Vince got together and they decided that they were going to do this whole field turn and he was going to be in our office sympathizer, my dad came to us as a family and talked to us about it and kind of warned us that it was going to get a lot of heat and that, but that this is what he was doing. And so, and it was also, but like what you see about daddy isn't real, you know, like you know, daddy really doesn't think these things. And so, you know, it's just, he's acting, daddy's acting. So it's like, okay. And so then when it happened, um, you know, he knew there was going to be heat, but I don't think we knew exactly how much heat there was going to be. I don't think Vince knew. I don't think my dad knew. It was very, very hot. And um, we did have death threats. Um, I just learned recently, I did not know this, uh, I knew we had death threats and we had a um, security team living in an <clears throat> RV outside of our house in our driveway. They followed us everywhere. They followed us to school. They followed us to the mall. They followed us to the grocery store. Uh, my dad had to wear a bulletproof vest. He wrestled in a bulletproof vest. Um, he... Uh, um, they had basically tapped our house, like they put in case somebody, because of where we lived, it was kind of in the middle of nowhere and secluded, and so there were definitely ways that people could have gotten to us past security. Uh, they had, they did have security around the perimeter of our property, but, um, you know, they basically bugged our house so that they could listen in case somebody got into the house and they didn't know. Um, so it was a very scary time. Um, I was in the sixth grade, so I was around 11 or 12 years old. Um, and it was, we, like I said, we kind of lived in the middle of not very private and our driveway was gravel and it was unmarked. And I would get off the school bus and walk and I would, like walk faster and faster and faster and then eventually I would be running because I would get in my head so much about somebody coming up behind me and running out of the woods and getting to me and hurting me doing something to me it was scary it was a scary time and the kids were not nice at all in school I had already gotten it (laughs) before my dad was a heel I got it and when he became a heel and was this you know traitor it was horrible in school. I, as my mom says, I was tortured every day when I went to school about my dad. It was not fun. <laughs> not fun at all. I can't imagine the worry you would have had having to go through that at 11 or 12 years of age. I'm I not worried happy. that somebody's going to 
you know, he's already been stabbed a couple times, and I, you know, you're worried somebody's going to do something to your dad because of a character that he's playing on TV. And if they really knew who he was, they would love him, you know. But I didn't understand it until years later um, when my dad and I were watching some promos of him that we saw on YouTube. And I pulled up YouTube and my dad and I were watching together. And this was right after my cousin had just um, died of wounds sustained um, in Afghanistan. And, um, you know, we were at war. And we're watching these promos from like 20 years ago or whatever, 30 years ago. And I start getting mad. My heart starts racing. My face gets red. I'm clenching my teeth, clenching my fists. And finally, I turned to my dad, and I was like, Dad, I was like, what? He said, no wonder people wanted to kill you. No wonder people wanted to kill us. Like, no wonder. You are so good at what you do. I want to kill you right now. <laughs> and you're like, Dad, and I know, like, this, like, I know it's not real. But, like, you were so good at being a heel and getting that audience in such a place where they hated you so much that as your daughter, I'm here marking out. <laughs> I mean, it was, he, it was incredible. It was incredible. But I will also add that I didn't find out until recently that not only did we have death threats, but they actually knew my name. They knew my sister's name. Um, they knew our address where we lived, they knew where we went to school. Um, so it wasn't just death threats on my dad. It was, we're, gonna, we're coming for you and we're coming for your kids. Um, so, you know, I did not know that part until um, recently um, I found that out. And had I known that, we just thought it was against our dad, you know, and that they were just protecting us to protect our, you know, help protect our dad. I had no idea that there was, like, they were coming for me and my sister, too. That is very scary, and it was probably also scary that your dad wrestled in a bulletproof vest, but yet his opponent was wearing nothing. Right. Well, I'm I don't a little know. bit Yeah, because after... yeah, they didn't have a shirt on, but... Exactly. On happier times, uh, when your dad was sort of an independent wrestler and was still a beloved baby face, he was often pictured in the magazines and in books with his customized limousine that he would drive show to show. Did you ever get to make trips in that limousine? Oh, yes. I loved the camouflage limousine. It we we would uh, my dad would park it um, on our driveway, and I would go and play in it with uh, my friends. We would go play in the back, and it had originally been um, belonged to a funeral home, and they used it in the funeral procession. And so the inside, the material that they used, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It was like embossed almost. 
like it was just and these beautiful designs and it was like this material I've never seen it before. It was like silk, but it was hard because it was embossed. Like it's so hard to explain. It was shiny. I can't even explain it, but they had these seats that would fold down and you would sit facing the back seat, if that makes sense. So you were like basically back to back with like whoever was driving. But they folded up and down. And so I went all the way back to where I always wanted to sit because that was like the cool seat, you know. And, of course, my parents let me sit there because they didn't want to sit backwards. <laughs> like, who wants to sit backwards? And as an adult, I do not want to sit backwards. I want to be facing front. But um, that was my favorite seat. But, yeah, I would play in it um, with my friends. I would bring my Barbies in there. We would play in there. Um, we uh, had uh, um, several times on appearances with my dad when he was going to take the limo if it was close, drivable distance. I would ride with him, um, trips to go to see Hasbro, uh, the execs at Hasbro, because they weren't for, um, you know, different charity events that we went to. Um, we would ride, and people would recognize. And, I mean, how could you not? It's a camouflage limousine, you know, and it's literally says Sergeant Slaughter on it. Um, and so people would recognize it and they'd honk and wave and um so it would be exciting and he'd roll down the window just enough to get his hand out sometimes. And he would wave and so it was pretty cool. And it was also cool, I always thought it was cool that nobody could see us inside. <laughs> it was like it was like a secret. Who's it who's in here? How does anyone gonna know who's in here? Well, the name is on the outside of the car. <laughs> but yeah, it was fun. Now, later in your dad's career, he went to the American Wrestling Federation, which did the unique thing of having a round system. They were on syndicated television nationwide so they were across the country it was sort of a different type of promotion but your dad was one of the top guys with that company when he made the jump to the AWF did you guys watch that show or did you still not really watch what your dad was doing we really didn't start watching him on a regular basis um, until he was, like, commissioner. Um, it just wasn't, like, on our radar. Um, we just didn't, we weren't, none of our friends were into it. Like, no one around us was watching it. You know what I mean? So, and my mom wasn't watching it. And so we just, we really didn't see a lot of it, unless it was something that he wanted us to see and, it was a big match, and, you know, then we would maybe go to it. But we really didn't go to a lot. Um, we didn't go to a whole lot. <clears throat> um, I remember I would be watching wrestling sometimes on TV, and my dad would come in and go, what are you doing? And I'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm watching this so I can see you. And he'd be like, well, I'm not on that show. <laughs> 
And I'd go, oh, and then I'd turn it off, and I'd be like, well, I just wasted <laughs> however long watching this show. I mean, I, I liked it. I enjoyed it. I remember have, like having favorite wrestlers, um, but there, it was a very brief period of time, maybe just a couple months where I got into it, and then I just kind of was like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to move on to something else. Because no one else around me was into it. It was, it's hard to explain. It was, um, when we moved back down to Charlotte, when we lived in Connecticut, it really, there wasn't a lot of people into it. And, but then when we moved down to Charlotte, everybody watched wrestling. I mean, everybody, everybody I met watched wrestling. I was wearing a wrestling shirt, you know what I mean? Or a wrestling hat or some kind of merch. Um, so, and then I would, you know, hide who my dad was. I didn't want them to know who he was. So, but, um, yeah, it, it wasn't really something that we, we really didn't watch a lot. And so I really don't know all that much about my dad's wrestling career because um, it just wasn't on our radar. We were busy going to school and doing Girl Scouts and, you know, living life and having fun and being able to see our dad when we could. And it was always a celebration. And, um, you know, we adored our dad. We still do. We adore our father. But we really weren't, we didn't really watch a whole lot. Up here in my neck of the woods in the Pacific Northwest, I'm sure before your time, your dad started wrestling in the Portland area, but he was beautiful Bobby Remus, and he did a hippie type of gimmick up here for a couple of years. Did you yeah. ever get to see pictures or footage well after the fact of your dad in a completely different role in wrestling? Yes, and it's really um, cool to see that, to see uh, – um, those old pictures and, and the videos that I have been able to see, usually people find them and they'll post them on X, and um, I see them that way. Um, but uh, he's got some pictures of him from back then. Um, he even has, and it's, it's really neat to see, like, the evolution of Sergeant Slaughter um, through pictures and him trying out different things. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it's always cool to see pictures of my dad from back in the day when he had hair. <laughs> One of the big things that, uh, your dad does in more recent times, and I think you've taken part on some of this, are the wrestling fan conventions, which have become really popular in the last decade or so. Do you like going to the conventions and meeting fans and talking to people with your dad, or is that something that isn't necessarily your type of event that you enjoy? So I just recently really started going. I went when I was a kid a couple times with him to different things like that. Um, but um, I went to Joe Fest last year. Um, I'm going to be at Joe Fest this year, and I absolutely love it. It is so fun to see 
the fans and to see the people, you know, these are people that so love their hobbies, you know, they love collecting these things and to see the joy on their faces, even if it's not about my dad, but about something else that they see across the room. And it's like, that's the, you know, whatever thing that I've been looking for. And it's like, they take a beeline to it. And it's like, they found their Mecca. You know what I mean? It's like, it's so awesome to see that and to just like kind of people watch. Um, But then the other side of it are the people that are there to see my dad and to hear them talk to my dad and tell them, you know, how much he inspired them to do certain things in their lives or, um, you know, how much they looked up to him. Or I've even had people told me personally and to my dad also that they didn't have, you know, a, a father figure in their life. And so he my dad kind of filled that role for them. And it's that's such an honor. And it's like, I don't mind sharing my dad in that way. I've, I've had to share him my entire life. But it's like, it's such an honor for my dad. It's an honor to hear that from people and to just hear what a positive impact he has been um, to people. It's just, you know, it's, it's good to hear because all of the crap that I went through and that my sister, I got it a lot worse than my sister did, um, but it makes it worth it. It makes it worth, you know, all of that, those bad times and the fact that my dad wasn't around all the time and the fact that my mom a lot of times had to play both, you know, basically be a single parent because my dad, He'd be gone like 350 days of the year. You know what I mean? 300 days. I mean, he was gone a lot. And it almost makes it worth it to be like, but this is what he was doing. And look at the impact that he had on so many people, whether it be through G.I. Joe or through wrestling. He had such an impact on these people. And how many people come through the line and say, you're the reason why I got into the military. You're the reason why I'm a ranger. You're the reason why I'm, you know, <clears throat> doing all of these things. You're the reason why I've, um, you know, followed my dreams. It's just, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to experience. And everyone is just so nice and happy and, you know, it's a it's a good experience. At least that's been my experience with it. I've had a great time. <laughs> um, that's why I'm going again, and I'm trying to get my husband to go and bring our son with us because um, I think my son would find it really cool too. Because it's not just there's a lot of Joe stuff there because it's Joe Fest, but there's other things there too, um, and it's kind of neat. And it it really for me was also a walk through nostalgia, you know, like a walk through memory lane. Like I'm looking at like strawberry shortcake dolls and, and play sets that I played with as a, as a little girl and I totally forgot about until I just see them. And it's like, oh, like memory unlocked. I remember this. And, oh, does it still smell like strawberries, you know, and just having those memories come back and, you know, walking through, I saw My Pet Monster 
and that was a toy that I had. Um, and it was like, oh, can I just hold it? And so they let me hold it. And, you know, just it's just kind of cool to to be able to walk around and just like see your childhood everywhere. It's it's pretty cool. In a similar vein, one of the things that a lot of wrestlers and in more recent times wrestling fans look forward to is the Cauliflower Alley Club. It started out as a reunion for people within the wrestling business, but in the last few years, they opened up to anyone that wants to attend. I know a lot of wrestlers always look forward to going, and oftentimes the families will go, and uh, they will get together and catch up. A lot of different events happen at CAC, like cribbage tournaments and seminars and banquets. Have you ever gone to the Cauliflower Alley Club? I have. I've gone one time, um, and it was, um, I think it usually happens around my birthday, um, which is um, mid-April. And so my dad took me one time because I had told him for my 21st birthday, he asked me what I wanted for my 21st birthday. And I said, I want a trip to Vegas. And it didn't happen. (laughs) I did not get a trip to Vegas for my 21st birthday. Um, And so when um, a few years later, they were actually going to honor my dad at um, the Cauliflower Alley Club. And he said, do you want you want to have your 21st birthday? Let's go to Vegas. And so I was like, okay, I'll go to Vegas. Um, so I was able to go with him for that, and I brought a friend with me, and um, we had a blast, and um, it was really neat to see that, too. And um, Rowdy Piper um, was the presenter for my dad for this award that he was being presented. And, you know, Rowdy um, has been a close friend of our family for a very long time, and so it was nice to be with um, with him. I got to sit with him and talk with him and spend some time with him. I think we were able to spend some of the next day together also. And, um, yeah, it was it was a good time. Uh, oh, I actually met uh, Billy Corgan there. Um, I did not know that he was into wrestling. I did not know that he bought – um, what, what is it that he owns? I think I don't want to get it wrong. You know, I don't want to say the wrong. Um, uh, he owns the he, NWA. NWA. That's what I thought, but I started to question myself. Um, I had no idea that he owned that and um, that he was such a fan of wrestling. And so my friend and I were sitting there during the ceremony and she kind of like nudged me and she was like, who is that over there? And I looked and I was like, well, that looks like Billy Corgan. And she was like, yeah, that's what I thought too. I'm like, but it can't be Billy Corgan. She was like, no, why would he be at this wrestling thing? I'm like, I don't know. And I'm like, dad, who is that? Is that a wrestler? And he was like, looking, he's like, I'm not, he looks familiar, and I'm like, yeah, it looks familiar, right? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, but who is it? He's like, I don't know. So then he goes and gets a, a member of the press that was there and goes, who is that guy? And he said, it's Billy Corgan. And we were like, what? 
like, what is he doing here? And I was like, I knew it. I knew that was Billy Corgan. Um, so that was cool because then after the ceremony was over, I got to, you know, go up and meet him. And he was a fan of my dad's. And so that was cool. And then I found out because then it was like, well, what are you doing here? Do you, like, you know someone here? <laughs> And um, and then that's when he told us that he actually owned that or or was going to buy it or something. And um, it was like, oh, okay, I had no idea. So it's kind of one of those things my dad always says, like, you never know who's a fan. I never would have thought that Gorgon was a fan of my dad or of wrestling, but he is. Um, so, yeah, that was my that was my uh, Vegas birthday trip, and it was an absolutely full time. Unfortunately, I was pregnant, <laughs> so I didn't get to have too much fun. But um, I did have a uh, I did have a good time, nonetheless. That's fantastic to hear that you enjoyed the CAC. Alan, the last. 25 years or so, ever since Mick Foley hit the number one on the New York Times bestsellers list with his autobiography, pro wrestlers have come out with autobiographies. We've seen a lot of people write about the history of professional wrestling and current professional wrestling. The market's filled with books on pro wrestling ever since Mick Foley kind of set the stage for that to prove they would be successful. Has there ever been talk of Sergeant Slaughter having an autobiography hit the shelves? You know, fine guy, it's funny that you should ask me that because we have pretty much begged him to write an autobiography. I have given him I, my dad loves a legal pad with a pencil or a pen. He loves to jot things down and make notes to himself. And so I even bought him some of those. <laughs> and I was like, will this work? If I give you this, can you start writing things down? And, you know, one time I gave him a tape recorder um, to try to get him to, like, if he doesn't have the time to sit down and write it, maybe he would just, like, when you think of something bad and the memory comes up, just talking to this recorder and, that didn't work, um, but he has been asked many times to do one. We have been on him for a long time to do one. He needs to do one. He's got so many stories and so many good stories, and they're good stories with some big names, you know, um, and, you know, that go for, you know, a long time, 40 years in the business. Um, so he's got stories from the early years all the way up into, you know, pretty recent. Um, lots of crazy things that have happened to him um, and happened to us. I mean, he had a stalker at one point. Um, he, you know, the Iraqi sympathizer thing. The people, the wrestlers that he was friends with and the things that they used to do together and the trouble that they used to get in and, um, you know, the fun that they used to have. And, you know, I don't know what the culture is like in wrestling now, but when my dad was doing it, they would rib each other. That's what they call it, just ribbing him, just ribbing him, just teasing him. They would play pranks on each other and, 
do things like that, just ribbon cutter. And so, you know, the stories that he can tell about the ribbing that used to go on and um, like I said, I don't know if that still happens, but just the funny things that they used to do to each other to get a laugh because they were on the road all the time and they had to do something, <laughs> you know, to entertain themselves. And so, yeah, we have been on my dad for a long time to do an autobiography and he just hasn't done it yet. I don't know why he hasn't done it. Um I do think he has some stories that maybe he's afraid to tell and until these people might pass away, then maybe he'll tell the story. Um, but I, it's actually one of the reasons why I started my YouTube channel um, was because he had not done an autobiography and he had so many stories. So it was like, well, why not just, create this channel and have conversations with my dad about things that he's been through, things that I we've been through as a family, things that I've been through. Um, like, let's talk and let's talk about different events and things that have happened throughout his career. So that's kind of pretty much why I started my channel, is to just start getting his stories out there. Um, but I know he still needs to do an autobiography. I mean, he's got just so much. Um, I I hope he does one. I really do. I hope he does one because not only do I think the think that the fans deserve one, but I want one. Like I would cherish that. Not many people get to have an autobiography of their parents um, or grandparents. Um, unless, you know, they have those books nowadays. I've even given him those, you know, those books where it's basically like you fill in the blank and it's like telling your life story and you give it to like your parents so they fill it out and then you've got like their autobiography. I've even given him, I think, three of those. And I even passed it off as being like, can you fill this out for your grandkids? So that they have, I, I know that they would love to have this information one day, and he never even did that. <laughs> so we'll see. One day I hope so, but we'll see. It's, it's all up to him to do it. If it helps, I will promise to buy one of the very first copies to hit the shelves if he comes out with that <laughs> autobiography. I will certainly tell him that. I will certainly tell him that. He needs to do it. He gets asked all the time, and people have offered. He's had ghostwriter offers. And um, I don't know. I think he needs to He needs to do it, not to be morbid or anything, but it's like, you know, he's not getting any younger. I think fans would love it if it hit the shelves. Last I agree. Here we also got an based on true events movie based on the Von Erichs called The Iron Claw. It covered their story and it was one of the biggest wrestling based movies as far as major motion picture releases. Your dad's got a really amazing story like we were just saying. Has anyone ever 
approached him on making a motion picture based on his story? If they have, either the timing wasn't right or um, the contract didn't make sense because he hasn't done one and I haven't heard of one. So um, I'm sure there have been people to reach out, but um, he hasn't done one yet. I think that would be really neat. Somebody actually recently made um, like a – an alternate reality, um, like like if we were in an alternate reality, this is the movie that would be out, and it was like a Stars and Slaughter um, origin story, and they did a whole EI, AI, um, EI, excuse me, AI um, pictures and like stills from like what would be the movie. They even created a trailer which is on uh, YouTube um, for this fake movie, um, Origin Story of My Dad. But that was more like an origin story of the character, Sergeant Slaughter. Um, Not necessarily, you know, it's not like the Bob Remus biography story. You know what I mean? um, It would be more of the character of Sarge is what the AI generated. the fan-generated um, movie was more about, like, the G.I. Joe side. Cool, and it got lots of likes, and I kept sending it to him and showing him, like, that. It's got, now it has 10,000 reacts to it. Like, you need to send this to Hasbro. Like, you need, something needs to happen here. And uh, last time I checked, it had, like, 17,000 likes. Or, yeah, 17,000 reacts to it and 3,000 or 6,000-something shares, I think, is, a lot, and so I was like, I mean, this is, you know, pretty, it's trending. <laughs> like, you need to, uh, somebody needs to jump on this. I hope they do. Hopefully so. I think that would be a fantastic movie with everything your dad has gone through in his career. Now, moving a bit away from your dad, you yourself have also been on a fitness journey, I know, and you're uh, working out and eating right and getting into very good shape. What has it been like as far as your own fitness journey, especially being the daughter of a professional athlete? Well, my fitness journey actually started a little late in life. I was a late bloomer. Um, and it was actually the pandemic is what kind of fire under my butt. Um, and, you know, in the beginning, one of the high risk factors was obesity and I was definitely obese. I was morbidly obese. I was, um, a candidate for bariatric surgery. I had gone to the seminars. I had met with a doctor. I mean, I was right there, very close to having, uh, weight loss surgery, and I decided not to do it um, for various reasons, but I decided not to do it, and um, then the pandemic happened, and then it was like, okay, I am obese, and I will be damned if I'm going to let this virus take me away from my kids because I'm overweight, because I'm obese. I'm not going to let that happen, and so 
I started walking and um, I could maybe go five mailboxes and then I would turn around and go back home. And then the next day I would go seven mailboxes and then turn around and go home. And then the next day I would, you know, I would keep adding mailboxes until eventually I was able to do the entire street. And then once I was able to do the entire street, I started going further, further until eventually I was up to walking six miles a day and I would push my daughter in the stroller. And then at the end of the walk, we would go to the park. And sometimes in the middle of the walk, we would go to the park. It would just kind of depend on how the day was going and how she was doing because it was a long walk um, for doing five or six miles. It was a long walk for her. So sometimes we did have to break it up. But um, you know, long for her to have to be sitting there is what I mean in the stroller. Um, so that's what I started doing. And then I started doing intermittent fasting and um, started to get some of the weight off. But I did it very, um, you know, I took baby steps. And um, intermittent fasting was like the first step. Um, well, you know, baby steps in the exercise. And then with my nutrition, my baby steps where I started intermittent fasting and then um, once I had that under control, I would start um, eliminating um, soda. Well, and now I wasn't drinking soda anymore. I eliminated that from my diet. I was drinking more water and, and tea, like a hot tea. I, I eliminated, eventually eliminated coffee out of my diet because I realized that I was putting so much cream and sugar or creamer in my coffee, I was a lot because I love coffee ice cream. And so basically I wanted my coffee to taste like melted coffee ice cream. <laughs> so I would put a ton of creamer, a ton of sugar, and a ton, ton of half and half in it to get it to that point. And it was just empty calories. And I would do, I would drink three or four cups a day. And so it was like, let's cut fat out. So I would start drinking hot tea and I got flavored tea and I wouldn't put anything in it except for maybe a little bit of honey and so I cut that out of my diet and so it was just these baby steps of eliminating things out of my diet that I knew weren't good for me but I knew it was good for sugar because sugar is absolutely horrible for you um, and so eventually a friend of mine invited me to um, come to the gym with her and um, she was like, don't you belong to the Y, uh, the YMCA? And I was like, yeah, they just opened and we, you know, got a membership, but we have never been, <laughs> as most people do. And um, she was like, well, why don't you come? There's this class that I take, and I think you'd really like it, and the instructor's super sweet, and come and take it with me. I think you'd be really good at it. And so I was like, all right, I'll come and check it out. And so I took this class with her and um, loved it. And it was like a weightlifting class. It was called Body Pump. And it was a full body weightlifting class. And um, so I did that. And then it was all set to music and you would do pulses and, you know, you would do quick and movements and slow movements and it made me feel strong and it made me feel powerful. And then she was like, well, now you need to come to this other class because I think you'd really like this other class. And it's the same instructor. And 
So I was like, well, okay, I'll go take that class too. And that class is called Body Combat. And it's MMA inspired. And so you basically have an invisible opponent that you're fighting. And in fact, in class, like you might be throwing an elbow and they're telling you like you're, you're hitting them across the jaw or like you're hitting them in the chin. Like, you know, they're even telling you like where you're hitting these people. And, um, you know, you're doing jazz and they're like telling you where you're hitting them. You know what I mean? And so it's like you can visualize, at least for me, I visualize my opponent. It's sometimes it's a different person every time. Um, I, I'm, you know, sometimes it's just I'm getting all my frustrations out. Um, punching, you're doing karate, you're doing um, uh, Muay Thai, um, kickboxing, boxing. I mean, it's it's just a it's a really fun workout. It's all freaking music. It's fast paced. It's um, absolutely a wonderful workout. And so I fell in love with that. And so then I started going to those two classes all the time. Um, and then I decided that I was going to do no sugar, <clears throat> no sugar, and high fat, low carbs, which is keto. So I started doing keto and the weight came off very fast. I mean, with the working out and doing keto, the weight came off like that. Um, so from start to finish, I ended up losing 127 pounds. And I um, can't even, that's a guesstimate because when I stepped on the scale at home, it only went up to 300 pounds. And I was over that. And so I kind of have to guesstimate where my weight was when I started because it was over 300 pounds, but I don't know how much over. So it's a guesstimate. I lost around 127 pounds. And um, I had some friends of mine at the gym ask me if I wanted to do a Spartan race with them, which is an obstacle course. And out of all of the um, types of obstacle obstacle course races, Spartan is like creme de la creme, they're the top. And I said, absolutely not. You are out of your mind. There's no way I could ever do a Spartan race. No, <laughs> I am not doing one. But they kept asking me and different people kept asking me because there was a whole team doing the Spartan race. And so finally, I said yes to shut them up and to have them stop asking me. <laughs> so I do the Spartan race and I absolutely loved it. I fell in love with it. I had no idea what to expect, um, but I loved it. And I felt like a badass when I jumped the fire and crossed the finish line after it was all done. And I could not believe that I finished it. I was covered head to toe in mud. It was cold and rain raining. We had Frost warnings the night before, we were absolutely freezing, and I could not wait to do it again. And I caught the Spartan bug, and the rest is history, I guess you could say. So I've been doing Spartan races. I do them for fun. I don't compete in them, so it's not I'm not racing in the competitive heat. I'm racing in the um, in the open heat, and I just have fun, and it's. It's a wonderful, a wonderful experience, at least for me, because I'm pushing myself and the only competition I have is myself because I'm just trying to do better than I did in the last race. And um, 
Yeah, so after I got into Spartan and I got my trifectas and all of that, I actually became certified to teach. Um, one of the classes that I fell in love with, with that I was taking, which is a class called Tone, uh, and that's a full body workout. <clears throat> it's strength, it's cardio, conditioning, um, core, balance. Um, it's just a really great workout. It's only 45 minutes. Um, I love it. I love the program. I love the brand, uh, which is Less Nose. Um, they are out of New Zealand. Um, so it's always fun when we're learning a new routine because they all have accents. And there's, um, I love the accents, so it's, it's super fun to watch the videos. But, um, yeah, so now I'm a fitness instructor. And um, I kind of I teach a class, and there there's still a couple cardio classes that I take. But instead of doing the weightlifting class, now I'm actually lifting um, three weights. And um, I have a lifting program that I follow. I have a coach um, who gives me my workouts and who is absolutely amazing. Um, and she is uh, full of knowledge. And, um, yeah, so now I'm, I'm lifting and building muscle. <laughs> that is my oh, story. very exciting to hear that you did that well and, got on that journey and you're doing much better. Thank you. Well, we're down to the last few minutes of our show today, and I want to give you ample time if there is anything you want to say to the listeners in closing, and if you want to plug absolutely anything whatsoever, social medias, any appearances you're making, your favorite dry cleaner, anything in the world you want, floor is yours. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to thank all of um, my dad's fans and to all of your listeners for listening to me today, but also for um, for loving my dad and for thinking he's awesome because I think he's awesome too, and I'm glad that um, other people can see how awesome he is. Um, I had mentioned before I do have a channel on YouTube. It's called Slaughter Daughter, and there is some Spartan stuff on there um, if you want to learn more about Spartan races, but most of it is conversations with my dad. Um, so definitely check that out, Slaughter Daughter on YouTube. If you want to check me out on X, it's underscore SCT daughter. Um, and then my IG, my Instagram is Slaughter Daughter Official. And you can find me, I have a page on Facebook, Slaughter Daughter. Come and check me out. Say hi and let me know that you um, heard me on Turnbuckle Turmoil. Well, Kelly, it has been an absolute delight talking to you. I cannot thank you enough for being on today. And I personally do think your dad's awesome. I may have dressed up as your father for trick-or-treat two years in a row. But I won't confirm That's or deny awesome. that at the very second. I love it. I dressed up for him on Halloween last year. Well, we thank you again for being on here. I look forward to the autobiography when he hopefully gets it done and gets it to the bookshelves. I will be there with the money to give the bookstore right when it hits the shelf. 
Um, thank you so much, Sign Guy, and thank you so much for having me on. And um, will you please, do you have a picture of you dressed up like my dad for Halloween for this meeting? I would love to see I it. I do have such picture. Do. Yeah, send it to me, will you please? You got it. I definitely will. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Well, fans, get on Slaughter Daughter on YouTube. Look up those videos. Maybe look up on YouTube. Watch some old Sergeant Slaughter footage. There's a lot out there. You could even watch the old G.I. Joe the movie if you'd like. He's in that. But don't forget you can find me tomorrow night in Vaughn, Washington. I will be at Northwest Pro at the Key Peninsula Civic Center. And then Sunday afternoon, we will be back with you. We have, as our guest, wrestler and promoter, Adrian Whisper. So make sure you have plans to be with us. We will talk to you soon. Everybody stay safe out there. And get out there and support your local independent professional wrestling.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.